So those uh, words, the scripture that was read, even for those who aren't Christians or very familiar with Christianity, those that those events are familiar, the um, Jesus' arrest, the Last Supper, uh, the, the betrayal um, and, and, and den denial by Peter, betrayal by Judas. Those things are, are familiar to many folks. But as Christians, we don't just look at these events as things that happened long ago. Um, we, we see those as things that are relevant to our lives today. And especially because Jesus, when he went to the cross, he did so um, on our behalf, that he is our perfect representative. And that faith in Jesus really is about trusting in who he is and not in ourselves. So that he is our perfect representative for before God. So that when God looks upon us, he sees Jesus and not, and not us. And therefore, we can have that relationship with him. But as we go through life, we go through different things, different trials, different whatever. And the question is, will we stay on God's path? Um, and Jesus gives us an example there of, of seeking God's will to stay on his path. Um, and, and that's a part of what, what we do in, as we live, right? As we live, we understand and grow and God moves us different places because Jesus lives. Yes, he was arrested. Yes, he was crucified. But that wasn't the end of the story. He lives, and now he intercedes for us, and he guides us uh, throughout our days. And so to sort of give an, an example of that, you know, our faith is something that continues to guide us th throughout, right? Um, I'm, I've asked Osvaldo, and his son Luis is going to translate for him, for him to give a testimony today. Good morning, church. I was my son because I only... Uh, speak a little English. <laughs> uh, eu não vou dar muita ênfase no que o diabo tentou fazer na minha vida quando eu tinha 19 anos. I'm not going to give a lot of emphasis about um, what the devil has done when I was, what the devil did when I was 19. Mas irei aproveitar esses minutos para falar o que Deus fez e continuou fazendo na minha vida. But I will talk about um, during these minutes that I have of about what God has done through my life. Quando eu tinha 19 anos, eu perdi o meu pai e nesse mesmo ano muitas coisas aconteceram. When I was 19, I lost my dad and in that year a lot of other things happened. Eu sou neto de um missionário batista, onde no Brasil o meu avô, ele iniciou 11 novas igrejas. I am a grandson of a uh, Baptist missionary where my grandpa opened 11 churches. E eu perdi o meu pai em maio de 1999 e desde a perda dele, então eu me afastei da igreja e comecei a beber devido a novas amizades. And I lost my dad in 98. Um, in 98 and because of that I left Friendships, I started drinking and partying a lot. Eu não queria saber mais de Deus, eu não queria saber das pessoas a qual eu convivi toda a minha vida que eram da igreja, uh, devido à grande perda a qual eu estava sofrendo. Because of my loss, I didn't want to talk about God, I didn't want to have anything to do with God. Uh, no Brasil, nós damos muita ênfase na, no dia 31 para o dia 1 de janeiro. Nós comemoramos bastante o dia 1 de um novo ano. 
Um, in Brazil, we give uh, a lot of emphasis from the 31st of December to the 1st of January. We celebrate a lot. No, the first day of the new year. E no dia 1 de janeiro do ano de 2000, ou seja, alguns meses depois que eu tinha perdido meu pai, eu estava numa mansão com alguns amigos uh, bebendo bastante, já estava bastante bêbado. In, in that, the first of January, I was a couple days after I lost my father, I was in a mansion with some friends drinking. Esse testemunho, nem os meus filhos sabiam dessa história, estão sabendo nessa manhã. The testimony, not even my kids know about it. They are learning about it today. E no dia 1 de janeiro do ano de 2000, eu estava sentado debaixo de um coqueiro na beira de uma piscina pensando em me matar, pensando em morrer afogado. In the 1st of um, January in 2000, I was under a tree thinking about killing myself. E eu ouvi uma voz dizendo, aí não é o seu lugar. Você tem um chamado. And I heard um, uh, a voice. This is not your place. You have a calling. Você sabe o que quais são os planos que eu tenho para sua vida? Pois eu venho trabalhando na sua vida desde a sua infância. You know the plans that I have for you because I've been um, planning for you since you were a little kid. E eu de repente eu larguei tudo, saí da casa sem falar com ninguém. E então eu lembro que no primeiro domingo seguinte a esse dia eu retornei para a igreja a qual fui criado. And after that, I left the house without talking to nobody, without telling anybody. And the Sunday after that, I went to the church that I was raised in. Só para vocês entender, o meu avô era um dos fundadores dessa igreja e meu pai morreu em maio e eu perdi o meu avô em novembro do mesmo ano. Um, just for you to understand a little bit more, my um, my grandfather was was the founder of the church. Um, I lost my dad in May and March, and my grandfather died in November of the same year. E dali em diante tudo mudou e aí eu que eu falo onde Deus mudou a minha vida por completo e continua mudando porque três anos depois então eu começo o seminário. Um, and from then on, um, that's when my life changed because three three years after that. I started going to seminary. Numa turma de 53 alunos, eu fui o primeiro a fazer o concílio e o primeiro a ser consagrado ao ministério pastoral. Um, in the class of um, 53 students, I was the only one that was um, the only one that was that was a pastor. E eu fui então meu primeiro ministério, eu fui ser missionário da Convenção Batista por um ano. My first um, church I went I was a missionary for a year. Aonde a igreja tinha uma senhora de 72 anos de idade que ela chegava todas as manhãs, orava, cantava um hino, fechava a igreja e ia embora. Where um, there was this 75-year-old lady that um, would um, pray Sing and close the church. E por alguns meses, então passou a ser eu, essa senhora e a minha esposa. Nessa época, eu já estava casado. And for a couple months, it, for, in that church, it was just me, my wife, and that 75-year-old. Dois anos depois, eu recebi o convite para ser pastor auxiliar da maior igreja batista do nosso estado. Um, 
two years after that, I was called to be the assistant pastor for the biggest church in our state. Nesse mesmo período, eu recebi o convite da Convenção Batista para ser é, coordenador de missões e de ação social do nosso estado. Um, in that same, that same church, I was um, called to be, I was asked to be a counselor in the... Ação social. Missionário. Um, to be a counselor of missions. E ficamos seis anos ali e de seguida então assumimos a terceira maior igreja batista do distrito daquele estado. Um, we stayed there for three years and then after we went in to the third largest um, church in our district. Dois anos que estávamos ali eu e minha esposa tomamos a decisão de largar tudo e vir para os Estados Unidos para criar os nossos filhos aqui. Two years that we were there. Um, we decided to leave everything behind and come to the US for a better place. E aí alguns já perguntaram, mas você largou o ministério para viver aqui? Não, não deixei o ministério. Um, and some people even asked, you left the the, the missions um, to, to to live here and no, I didn't. A minha mãe mesmo foi uma que questionou, você vai largar o ministério para poder morar em outro país que você não sabe a língua, não sabe nada? My own mother was one of the person that asked, um, you're gonna leave the mission, the, mis the mission, the place where you are, um, to go to a place that you don't know the language or the culture. E eu falei com ela que ser pastor não é estar à frente de uma igreja como um pastor sênior, mas ser pastor vai muito mais além do que isso. And I told her that being a pastor is way more than being a pastor of a church. It is um, being a pastor everywhere, anywhere you go. In e nesses sete anos que eu estou aqui nos Estados Unidos com a minha família, já tivemos a oportunidade de pastorear de forma diferente vários brasileiros e até mesmo os americanos, porque por três anos, eu tive, ou quatro anos, eu tive a oportunidade de ser pastor auxiliar da última igreja a qual nós éramos membros. In, in these seven years that we've been living here, um, I've had different um, ways, I've had different ways to be a pastor, um, one of them being... Um, the four years that we were in a church, he, I had the opportunity to be assistant pastor. Para concluir, eu penso que quando nós deixamos o Espírito Santo de Deus nos encher por completo, sem deixarmos nenhum vazio, Ele faz a diferença nas nossas vidas e continua fazendo desde o momento que nós permitimos. To conclude, um, I think when you, we let our, I think when we let God fill us with everything. Um, he can show us and do different things to us. Essa, esse é o meu testemunho de vida, de maneira resumida. That's my life testimony. Thank you. Thank you so much for that word of testimony is a testimony that God is, he's still changing lives. He's still working in people's lives. And, you know, with Osvaldo, we, we, we see him now, you know, as, as a pastor. But I want to remember, like, that, that he went through a very difficult time, which he just testified to. And that many of us, you know, even if we're good now, or there, there was a time where we sort of got off God's path. 
right? And, and maybe that's you now, whether you're watching or thinking like, yeah, I'm not really walking with the Lord. Well, I think the testimony shows that, you know, God doesn't give up on us. If we seek him out, if we seek to align ourselves with God's will, he'll bring us back. And, and, and sometimes in paths we weren't expecting, places we weren't expecting. And, and I see that especially in our scripture reading where things got... Uh, even though Jesus warned his followers, uh, hey, things are going to get pretty intense. Uh, you know, I, I want you to pray with me. He invites them. He knows what's going to happen, and he invites his disciples to come and pray with him because he knows they're not going to react well to him being arrested, the crucifixion, all of that stuff. And so he says, come and pray with me because when we seek the Lord, we are trying to get ourselves aligned with his will so that when crazy things happen, we don't end up going off the path because oftentimes when difficult things happen, and as Osvaldo just talked about his father dying and his you know, grandfather and all of this, that's a time where you're like, what, you know, what do I need to do? Or, or, and it's difficult. And many times when we've all been there where we just kind of say, all right, I, I'm just going to go this path. I don't know if it's the best path, but I'm just going to go this path. And we often can move away from God. And we see that with Peter, the apostle Peter, right? When, when, uh, when Jesus says, hey, won't you come and pray with me? And he's like, well, okay, and he goes with them. But when things happen, what does he do? He, he does whatever seems best to him. He grabs that sword, cuts off the, the high priest's ear, and Jesus is like, what are you doing? So oftentimes in life, we think we got to figure things out ourselves. We come up with our own plans and our own things. But really what Jesus is calling us to is to align ourselves with God's will. And then we can go through even difficult times. And so we see that in our scripture reading in, in uh, Matthew 26. Remember, Jesus, excuse me, Matthew switches, sort of shifts the scene to those immediate events that lead up to Jesus' arrest uh, and, and, and all that stuff. And here in this scripture that Linda read, the setting is the Last Supper, right, where Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper as a memorial sacrifice. We're going to talk more about that next week. Actually, this was a long scripture, and the reason it was long is that we're actually going to treat it in parts today and then next week, and we'll do it in reverse order, is that we'll talk more about the Lord's Supper next week because we observe the Lord's Supper at the beginning, you know, the first Sunday of every month, so figured we should switch it up. Um, what I'm more interested in is afterwards, after the supper, where, again, Jesus warns them that, you know, it's going to be difficult. This next day is going to be difficult. So he warns them they're not going to react well. He encourages his disciples to pray, to prepare, but they don't. And when Jesus is arrested, they all flee from Jesus. And so what the main takeaway I want us to take from this is that Prayer prevents us from going off the path of God's will. Or, or and I should say, it also gets us back on track with God's will. Oswaldo's te his testimony talks about that lady that was just, 75-year-old lady who just prayed every day. And that prayer, oftentimes we don't think of it as much, but prayer is that preparation. It's that prevention that keeps us from going off God's path. And because prayer is really about 
seeking God's will. It's not trying to get God to do our will. It's seeking God's will. It's aligning ourselves with the path that God has for us. And that can be tricky because sometimes that path takes twists and turns we didn't expect. But if it's God's path, then that's the path we should be on. And prayer helps us align ourselves. And that's really what I want us to think about prayer. It's not getting God to do something we want. It's not a certain set of words. It's aligning ourselves with God's will. And so we read that after supper, on the way to Mount of the Olives to pray, Jesus, he warns his disciples that they'll all fall away that night. In verse 31, uh, it'll be on the screen. It's, Jesus says to them, you will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. And this prompts Peter to say, oh, oh no, no, uh, everyone else might fall away, uh, but not me. Peter has such self-confidence. And that's where Jesus then in verse 34, he, he, he has to check Peter and say, in verse 34, truly I tell you this very night before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. Now we're going to go deeper into Peter's denial in a couple weeks. But, but Peter and all the disciples, they insist, oh no, no, we're, we won't deny you. And then in verse 35, Peter says, yeah, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same thing. They're all like, no, Jesus, we're, we won't do that. We won't go off the path that you have. But Peter will deny him. And then they'll all leave them. That last phrase that Linda read in the scripture in verse 56, it's, I think it's so powerful. It's so poignant. It says, then all the disciples left him and fled. Now, some of you might object because see personality. You always have to object. And, but that's good because it helps us uh, dig deeper into the scripture. You might say, well, wait a minute. But Peter, he tried. He didn't, he took a sword out. Now, in Matthew's gospel, it just says one of his companions took a sword out and cut off the ear of the high priest's servant. But in John's gospel, it actually says it was Peter. You might say, well, Peter, he, was, he didn't forsake Jesus. You know, he was trying to fight for Jesus. He took out a sword and was, you know, chopping people's ears off. He didn't, he didn't try to... Um, forsake Jesus. But yes, but here's the key. Peter was not fighting according to God's plan. You see, when things got serious and things were happening, what did he do? He went to his default setting, and that is, well, what am I supposed to do? Oh, well, they're coming with violence. Well, therefore, I guess I got to come with violence. And he takes his sword out, because that's what we do when we don't prepare in prayer. We just go whatever comes natural. And usually what comes natural is violence, is hatred, is not God's path. It's usually the easy path. And that's why, I mean, and I say this because look at verse 52. So he takes the sword out, cuts off the ear, and Jesus says to him, put your sword back into its place. For all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? But how then should the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? So even though Jesus has access to more firepower than if all 12 of his disciples got swords and all that, Jesus is like, don't you realize I have access to firepower that could wipe out this whole place? He realizes that, you know, the ultimate defeat of sin, 
of Satan, the ultimate defeat of death, would be through Christ's self-sacrifice. That was God's will. That was his plan, and it was revealed in Scripture. But Peter and the others, they were stuck in their worldly ways and, and thinking according to the flesh. And, and so they thought, well, if, if it's not by violence and power, then, then how do we come at this? How do we do it? See, they couldn't see the spiritual realm, the plan of God behind this, and largely because they hadn't been preparing in prayer. They hadn't aligned themselves with God's will, so when things happened, what did they do? Again, they just did what came naturally, but that was not God's will for them. And again, Jesus says that because like, oh, you're, you're, you're trying to use raw power? That's not God's plan in this situation. But Peter and the others had opportunity. They had opportunity to stay true to Christ in God's will, but it wasn't through their willpower. It wasn't through their fighting power. It was through the power of prayer and connecting with God's will. And despite Jesus warning them, hey, you're going to deny me, Peter and the rest, they're not praying. I mean, notice in, in verse 40, Jesus even specifically talks to Peter after Peter boasted, hey, I won't leave you. And Jesus, no, you're going to deny me. So in verse 40, it says, he came to the disciples after Jesus is praying. He brings the, Peter and the others to, he says, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, again, because he called out, hey, Peter, you're, you're, in a special issue, you're especially in trouble here. He says, so could you not watch with me one hour? Because what was Christ doing? In prayer, he was aligning himself with God's will. Look at verse 39. He says, going a little further, Christ fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. He knows what's going to happen. This cup is the cup of pain and suffering on the cross. And in his human person, you know, Jesus, no one wants to suffer like that. And so he prays, if it's possible, Lord, I don't, let me not drink this, but not as I will, as you will. He's aligning himself with God's will. And then he goes back a second time. He checks on his disciples. Hey, maybe they're praying now. But they're not. Verse 42, again, uh, they're, they're sleeping. In verse 42, so Jesus, for a second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Now that last phrase, your will be done. So it sounds familiar. It's actually also what he says in the Lord's Prayer. We prayed it this morning, right? Let your kingdom come, let your will be done. So Jesus, in his model prayer, when he's trying to teach people how to pray, he says, all right, I want you to pray, let your will be done, God. And it's the same word. And you might think in English, that's not a big deal. But in Greek, the diff different words can go any place, basically. It's a case system for you geek nerds. So you can move words all around. It can be totally different, say the same thing, but not. It's the exact same words in the exact same order. And I think what Matthew is emphasizing here is that Jesus, he gives the model prayer. He says, oh, you want to know how to pray? All right, pray, let your will be done. But then he lives it. He lives it. And Jesus, he's fully God, but yes, he is fully human. And he lives it to show us like when it's most difficult, when submission to God's will brings total self-sacrifice and suffering, he still is able to pray, Father, let your will be done. If, if, this, if this can't happen unless I do it, let your will be done. 
And he lives it when it's most difficult. Even when everything is screaming, the situation is screaming defeat and death because I'm wrong, you're getting arrested. He's going to be crucified. Jesus knows this is God's path to victory for me and for all of those, all of his followers. And so he will go on that path. But that's also why, by the way, that, you know, why do the disciples flee? Well, because everything around them is, is looks like de death, defeat. They're not in line with God's will. So when they don't understand the situation, they flee. My friends, Jesus continues to change lives today. Because Jesus, he died, but he also lives again. And so he, ha he gives us forgiveness from um, God. He gives us reconciliation with God so that we have a relationship now with God where we can talk to God as our Heavenly Father, as Jesus did. Because I said, and I'll, here's some big theology stuff, but you know, we talk about Jesus being fully God and fully man. Well, this part really focuses on his humanity so that he can be our perfect representative. So that, you know, we, we heard a, a testimony, and, and I have a, a testimony as well. We all have a testimony where often we go off the path that God has for us. But because Jesus is our perfect rec representative, Osvaldo, me, any Christian, we're not, we, don't, we don't depend on our own works anyways. We depend on what Christ has done. So when we look at our lives, we say, no, it is Christ, and I trust in what he has done, and that he lived in perfect obedience to the will of the Father. And so that even when I don't do that, I say, well, I'm not coming to you, God, on the basis of my works and my righteous life. I'm coming to you based on Jesus' works and his righteousness and I trust in him he is my representative so when we trust in Jesus that's what we're basically doing saying no I trust in Jesus not myself and so that when God looks at us if we have trusted in Jesus basically we've said I trust in Jesus I trust it in your righteousness in your work that you took the wrath that I deserved and there's a great exchange that takes place whereas Jesus took on the wrath of God and our sin on the cross then he gives us his perfect obedience so that again when God looks upon us he sees not sin or going off the path he sees his righteous sons or daughters because of Jesus. We have to remember that because then that gives us the confidence. It gives us, that establishes that relationship so that today we can talk to God as our Heavenly Father just as Jesus did. We can get the guidance. We can get the strength to stay on the path of God even when the world is falling apart around us. The world is pushing us to get off the path, we can just talk to God. But it's not from our own strength. It's not from our own wisdom, but from that relationship that Jesus gave us. And so when will we heed the words of Jesus? Verse 41, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. You know, tragically, we, Jesus' followers... We tend to follow the example of Peter and the other disciples in the garden instead of Jesus. Right? We continue to be led by the flesh and not by the spirit. But my friends, what if this, this scripture calls us, what if we prayed like Jesus? I mean, let your will be done. Right? The theme this year is the Lord leads. Right? That is our, our theme verse. And when the Lord leads, that's saying, Lord, we want your will to be done. 
Now that's easier said than lived, especially when it requires great sacrifice or pain. But that's what the, we, you know, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Again, I think of the Lord's Prayer. What do we pray? Lord, you know, um, lead us not into temptation. That's a part of the Lord's Prayer. Lord, let your will be done. And we do this because we understand the flesh is weak. And that's why the Lord's Prayer is a model prayer. This is Jesus saying, you know, this is how you should pray. It's not magic words like, oh, I said the Lord's Prayer. That's not, there's no magic in those words. It's rather, I am trying to get in line with God's supernatural will, but I understand that so many times I'm led astray by temptation. But then here's the other part of the Lord's Prayer. It says, right, forgive us our debts as we forgive, the, um, as we forgive our debtors. Is, is that, all right, even when I do go off the path that God has for me, because I'm right with God because of Jesus, then it's, I can just get back on God's path by claiming his, his provision, his, his sacrifice. So, Lord, forgive me. And, and then that affects how we treat other people. And then I also just want to say, point out one other thing. A part of aligning ourselves in prayer with God's will is also understanding his word. Because a lot of folks, we, we, you know, we, we, we think about things, and, and Steve, in, uh, when he led us in prayer this morning, he, he pointed out a lot where we kind of raise ourselves up. We're like, we, we think of, you know, God, how does God fit into my plan? So we have a plan and we have a path, and then sometimes we're like, right, God, how do you fit into that? But that's not how Jesus did things, right? It's, no, no, how do I fit into his plan? How does my life fit into where he's going? See, we go about it as if we're God instead of God is God. But that's why we need to understand his word. Because when we understand the scriptures, then we start noticing this is God's plan for the world. And yes, he invites me to fit into it. But it's a whole change of our perspective of not being the, the ones who are, who's guiding our path. It's actually having God guide us. And, and I, I say this because notice when Jesus um, said to Peter, so Peter took out the sword and he was chopping off the ear and stuff. What did he say to Peter? He told him, he said, put away your sword, verse 54. How then should the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? And then in verse 56, when he gives himself up to be arrested, he says the same thing. This has to happen because of the scriptures. The scriptures are God's revelation of his will and plan. And so if we want to align ourselves with God's will, prayer and scripture, they go hand in hand. And that's what Jesus was saying. He's like, Peter, you know, yes, you need to align yourself with God's will through prayer. But also, Peter, you don't understand. This has to be, this is God's plan. And so if it is planned, I'm going to be all in on it. So my friends, prayer prevents us from going off the path of God's will. And so whatever decision, whatever task is before us, the preparation is prayer. Again, otherwise, what do we do? We go about it in our own strength, in our own wisdom. Again, just makes us, when, when things happen, it makes us lash out, take our swords out, cut people's ears off, and then we realize, oh, wait a minute, that wasn't right, that really wasn't right either, and so then we run away. We're like, I don't know what to do, just like, just like Peter, right? We, we just, we, we start doing something that we think is right, but then we often realize, wait, that was totally not right either, and then we just forsake, we, we forsake, we forsake everything, we just run away. <laughs> 
My friends, this is, we follow Peter's example in the garden more than Jesus' example. More like, all right, there's some decisions coming. There's some difficulty coming. I need to prepare in prayer because when things get real, I want to make sure that I'm walking on God's path so that even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, on the other side, there will be life because God is in it and God is the God of life. You know, I see this in myself so often. That's why, you know, when um, uh, Monday the office is closed, but on Tuesdays, Pastor Peter and I, one of the first things we do is we get together and we pray that the Lord's will will be done. We give God full access to everything that we're doing because I understand my propensity to follow Peter's example in the garden more than Jesus's. Um, That's why in our our new preaching practicum, we, we spend a lot of time in prayer Why? Because as Christians, we tend to follow Peter's example more than Jesus. And so, Father, let your will be done. That was what Jesus prayed on the cross. And if you're here and this sounds strange to you or whatever, like, ah, you know, this whole God's will thing, I just thought God was like an add-on. He was like my lucky charm kind of thing. Um, I want you to understand that the Christian faith is a faith in who Jesus is. It is really saying, Jesus, you are my intermediary. You're the one who will stand before me and before God, and I trust in you. And you paved the way. And that's what trust is in God. And if, if you haven't trusted in Jesus, then I would encourage you to do that today. Trust in who he is, what he's done, his perfect obedience to the perfect will of God and then when you say, yes, Jesus, you're my savior. I want you to represent me. And then, and then the rest of our lives, what do we do? We try to follow Jesus. We try to say, Jesus, um, help me to do the Father's will. And we keep going and connecting with him because now we have that relationship with God where he is our heavenly father. And we can ask and, and, and get the guidance and the strength we need even if we're walking through the difficulty of life. And so my friends, if we become a people of real prayer, if Second Baptist Church becomes a church of prayer, and I mean when I say real prayer, what I mean is not just a ritual of prayer, uh, you know, not just trying to get God to do what we really want to do, but really seeking God's will be done then more of the miraculous of Easter would be happening today among us, even in the shadow of suffering. Because that's what Easter is about. Like, we look at, Palm, we look at uh, Good Friday, and, you know, it's Jesus on the cross. There's arrest, there's death, but yet, on the other side, there is the miracle of resurrection life. And if we would be a people of prayer, then we would enter into those difficulties of life with that perspective that, all right, God, as long as I'm on your path, even if there's death, even if there's suffering, I know there's victory on the other side of it. And that's where, again, we need to be those people of prayer. Christ paved the way. Uh, he invites us into that path. And as Oswaldo said in you know, his, his testimony, uh, lots of times, and all of us have a story, our path can go this way or that way. Sometimes we go off the path. But if we trust in Jesus, if we say, God, let your will be done, 
He will take us and his will will be done in our lives, but he'll bring us to places we didn't expect, but he'll always be there with us if we align ourselves with him and follow him. And then we'll have that resurrection kind of living where even though we step into the valley of the shadow of death, we don't fear because the good shepherd is with us and the good shepherd is, is bringing us to the other side in resurrection and miracle and life eternal. Let's pray. Dear God, we are so grateful, Lord Jesus, that you are our representative to God. And Lord, we confess that we often will go on our own path, that we often just do things that we think are best without seeking your perfect will. And so, Lord, now we pray, Holy Spirit, that your will would be done. Show us the path, each one of us, Lord. We, we rely on you. We want your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. But show us that, Lord. Make us people of constant prayer. Lord, we pray, Holy Spirit, fill us to overflowing so that we would pray like Jesus prayed, that we would be connected to you and so passionate for your will to be done that we would go to any place you point us towards. Thank you that you continue to work today. You continue to change lives today. We thank you for all those testimony, Lord, of what you have done in his life. We thank you for the testimonies of many people sitting here, Lord, where you have taken us and brought us back onto your path and showed us the way. Oh, Lord, we pray your will would be done, continue to be done in our, each of our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.